Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir in honor of Aaron Baruch Ben Yudha Levi and Amelia Basara. I made a mistake the other day. I said Amelia Basara. I mixed up her Yotzeit and her finishing of Chadish. Finishing of Chadish is indeed the end of Cheshvan. Um... This week's Pasha, we start to live with Avram Avinu. It's known, the Al-Trebbe is brought down in Hayyem Yem, how the Al-Trebbe said, and his brother finally was cornered and explain to the Chassidim that living with the Tzayt means living with the times, the Parshas HaShavua. So we had Parshas Bereshis, where we lived with the creation, Parshas Noyach, where we lived with Noyach per se, but then Baruch then at the end of the Parsha, we were zekha to the birth of Avram Avinu, but from henceforth, Pashas begin, Pashas Dachla, beginning with Dachlacha, it's pure Avram Avinu. So we start to live with Avram Avinu. Oh, I just did something bad. Let me do that. Sorry. Okay. Sorry over there on Skype, I moved my finger the wrong way. Okay, much better. We're living this week now with Avram Avinu. As Avram Avinu embarks on his mission, his worldly mission. And the tale begins, the Pasha begins, Vayemer Hashem al Avram, Lech Lecha, Meyartacha, Meyartacha, Beisavicha, Elarata Sheradeka. Go out. Go out from your land from your birthplace, from the home of your father, to the land that I will show you. Rashi, who is the champion of Bechamash Namikra, Pshutash Namikra, simplest explanation of the Pasuk. Rashi's first question, why all these things? The Lech Lecha is enough, sufficient, Go. Why the Me'artzecha, Me'lavdecha, Be'savicha, Le'arzashararecha? Rashi tells us, I call Dibur V'dibur, each time, each word, was another mitzvah, another schar, another merit for Avram Avinu. He received another merit for doing, for completing the mission that he was... Um, he was given. Avram really reaches the destination ultimately. Although here it says only the land that I will show you. He reaches that destination. He gets to that land 62 years later. But he gets there. For 62 years, in other words, Avram Vinu wandered. He wandered. And Avram Avinu, we know, Avram Mikarevis Hanoshim, Visora Mikarevis Hanoshim. They amassed quite a following. There was quite a large group of people traveling with Avram Avinu. He didn't go one person solo. He wasn't the only him and Zarai. There was a group of people. And this group is journeying. Needless to say, any innocent bystander observing this is curious. And although most people have the attitude, I'm not mixing in, not my 
circus, not my monkey, not my business. But a vast majority of the people like to know what's going on. See the days before CBS, the CNN, and BBC. So you see a group like this. You walk over, and obviously it was quite apparent that Avram Vinu was the leader of the group. And you ask, Slicha, excuse me, what language do you speak? Where are you going with all these people? And <laughs> you would imagine that a person of Avram Vinu's stature with a group the size of this behind him, would say exactly where he's going, to give the exact coordinates, the exact address. And what's Avram Vina's answer? Ich weiß nicht. I don't know. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told me to go, I'm going. He told me he will show me where. Person looked at him, and didn't, he doesn't look like a Mashiach. Eh? He looks like a very prestigious person. What kind of statement is that? First of all, Kadosh Baruch spoke to you. The Almighty spoke to you. But looking at him, you noticed that yeah, it's very possible. But on blind faith. You are walking with all these people behind you, and they too are following with blind faith your footsteps. And with blind faith you are traveling, you are journeying, not exactly in uh, the most comfortable situations, through deserts, etc., and you don't question God. You don't have any question, you don't ask him. You are ready to go. And just keep journeying and literally be homeless for indefinite. You have no idea when it will be that he will show it to you or what he will show you or where it is. But you are ready. Wow! Wow, said the person. Observing such Kabbalah's oil, observing such dedication and devotion to God. And the question the person asks right away Do you mind if I join you? Do you mind if I join? Avram Vina said, Chasrashalom. Mind? Why would I mind? And so it was. This person joined, followed by the next person and the next. Alkol Dibur Vedibur. Each time that Avram Vinu expressed and said that we are going in the ways of Hashem, we are going where Hashem has told us to go, but we don't know where, and we're going to find out. But in the interim, Hashem told us to go, and that's what we are doing. Therefore, I'll call Dibur Vadibur. Each time, Avram Avinu told another person and another person, he received merit. He received the schus, telling him that HaKadosh Baruch was giving him for the way he behaves, the way he acts, and the way he was dedicated. But let's actually dissect the first Pasuk of Lech Lecha. Translated before, from your land, your birthplace, your father's house, 
to the land I will show you. Who cares where you're leaving? Honestly, does it really matter? Would Lechlecha not be sufficient? Why add from your land, your birthplace, your father's house? Lechlecha, let us a Shereka. Go to the place I'll show you. If you're going somewhere new, you're obviously leaving everything behind. Another thing, common sense dictates. You tell a person, today's day and age with the GPS and the ways and everything else that people have, the modern technology, you get in your car, you punch it in, and my label Balvagula says, okay, Schnungetin the seat belts, Mifun, Fiasikatsilis Adeidach. It's great. My ways tells me how to, how to act like a nice Jew. Put on your seat belt, say Tfilis Adeidach, don't forget. He's amazing. And he says, Fulma, we're going. Gigangin, that's what he says. Gigangin. And at most points, he tells you, when you get to this point, go straight, don't be worried about anything. He's amazing, he's beautiful. But you know what? I put in my destination to where I'm going. Hence, labeled the Balagola knows where to tell me to go, how to get there. If I got into my car, aimlessly, not knowing where I am going, I wouldn't even want to start the car. <laughs> In the olden days, I would say I wouldn't want to turn the key. <laughs> uh, 2018. I wouldn't even want to start the car. I'm not going. What do you mean just go? For? I got to know where I'm going. How to get there? Okay, label will tell me. I, I, I accept that part. I am oblivious, I have no idea how to get there myself, but I have labeled about a ghoul in my car, he's going to tell me how to get there. But he's telling me where to, I know where I'm going though. But to get in the car and drive aimlessly, yeah, there are times where a person needs it. A person just needs to get in their car and just go. There are times people feel like that. They just want to go and get away from whatever they're in, fine. But Avraham Avinu, first of all, has no idea what his destination is. And even worse than that, has no idea when it's going to happen. How many pairs of shoes do I need to prepare for this trip? How many sandwiches, bagels, lax? I don't know. It's it's, it's a a chrais to just take people and go. So it would have been so much easier if Avram would have been told where he's going and how long it's going to take to get there. What was he told? Where he's leaving. Nothing as to where he's arriving to. This command, though, Hashem maps out the steps of a Jew. What are the steps that a Jew must take to reach their ultimate destination. What is the destination of a person? The destination of the person is how to serve God, His divine service. And it's many steps. But when one begins to embark on this journey, one needs to leave behind a lot of things. One needs to discard a lot of old habits. 
These steps are hinted in the way God commands Avram. The land represents nature. Teva. Nature. First things first, all the things that you naturally gravitate to, you have to eliminate. Now, what do what does one gravitate to? Some to music, some to theater, some to dance, some to sport. People gravitate to certain to different things in the world of entertainment, shall we say. Tells us the Teda of Kadesh Baruch who's telling Avram. You need to take that nature and discard it. But I do know, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's Me'artzacha. It is your land. It's your inborn nature, or it's a nature that you developed. But it's something that's within you. I'm not expecting that to happen overnight. I'm not expecting that to be easy. I'm not expecting you to be repulsed by these old habits overnight. And to just all of a sudden start a new lifestyle. That never works anyway. One needs to gradually discard old habits so that they can ultimately build the new ones. So, so says your nature. Then from your birthplace. The environment in which a person lives shapes their habits and lifestyle. And there are many things that you're taught at home, that you're taught by your parents. And these become your your nature, in essence. Not a second nature, but your actual nature. This becomes you. You get used to this new or this old. This is how you're raised. But sometimes... a beat is missed. Sometimes a link is missed. And yes, your parents tried their best. And yes, your parents put in whatever they are capable of putting into you. Unfortunately, for whatever gosh-given reason, there's missing something. It's your job, says HaKadosh Baruch it is your obligation that you go out from Umayyadatukha and you undertake maybe stringencies, definitely not leniencies. If there were stringencies at home, you remain with those stringencies. If, however, there were leniencies at home and there were things that were not done the way they should be done, when they should be done, how they should be done, whether it be washing of hands, whether it be making brachas out loud, whether it be making sure that after you eat, you make a bracha on the spot that you ate it, or whether it be keeping kosher to certain standards, or to the extremists of keeping the Shabbos. Some people will tell you, by us at home, we did A, B, and C. And unfortunately, sometimes a lot of those things are really wrong. and should not have been done. We learn, therefore. We constantly learn. We constantly open the Svarim. We constantly listen and hear out. 
Miseda is a very big thing that we spoke about this several weeks ago. Miseda of generations is a very big thing. We can't eliminate, we can't put down, we can't minimize Miseda. If the family has a tradition, <laughs> we've told this story a dozen times, of the Bachan that went to America to Spain. And they came to a very, very, very old shul in Spain. And they were davening. And they were Svartic. And they had different things and different customs. They said everything was pretty much they were able to keep up with. But then, towards the end of Chazar Sashatz, by Maidim de Rabbanon, thank you. The entire congregation turned around to the back wall, like Bay Vishalim, and said, Maidim de Rabbanon. Mr. were quite baffled. Look where you like in Shekhanarach, you don't find that custom. So they started to ask, Digami, por favor, please tell me, what are you doing? Where does this custom come from? Why do you turn to the back of the shul to say, Maidim de I see you working glasses. Anyway. Nobody knew. Nobody had an answer. Said, but the entire shul is doing it. How could you not know why you're doing that? It doesn't say it anywhere in Shulchan Aruch. Is it perhaps an old custom? It's an old custom of our shul. Where does it come from? Who instituted such a custom? Well, nobody really knew. Nobody knew. They told him, this is a base office, an old age home, down the road, There's a yid there, must be over a hundred years old. He's still with the full zin. Maybe discuss it with him, maybe he knows. So the two bachram went. Maybe the guy didn't put on film today. They'll definitely go to find out. And they come to the old man. And he looks like a very big sabio, big sage. And they give him shalom aleichem, they tell him who they are. They ask his forgiveness, they want to ask him a question. It's says, sure. It's a custom that I see, we saw in your shul. We don't know where it came from, we'd like to know if you can clarify. And he said, Sure. <coughs> What's the cu- which custom? We noticed that by Maidim de Rabbanon, the whole shul turns to the back wall to Maidim and says Maidim de Rabbanon. Where does that come from? <laughs> the old man began to laugh. And he said, kacha. You probably didn't say it in that language because I doubt he spoke Yiddish. So, what happened is like this. Many, many years ago, when I was a young boy, there was a non-Jewish artist who wanted to donate something to the shul. They didn't know, what is the guy going to paint for the shul? In their tumors, they have what to paint. But here, in the shul, what's he going to paint? So someone came up with an idea and gave them gave them the Maidan Rabbanan 
and told him to paint it. Huh? So he painted the maiden derabanan. What a beautiful, beautiful maiden derabanan he painted, and he gave us with a beautiful frame. No, fantastic. And we didn't know where to hang it. There was nowhere to put it. There's a space on the Mairev wall. So we hung his maiden derabanan on the Mairev wall. However, it's a problem. If he ever comes into the shul to see if we're using it, he'll notice that it's often an obscure place, and we're not we're not looking at it even. So we said, when we say Maiden Rabbana, we should turn around and read it off, off his Maiden Rabbana. It had all the words, why not? <laughs> and that became the custom. Years went by, and the painting started to fall apart. And the painting fell apart. And the painting came off the wall. However, the custom, the generations, the young generations, saw the older generations always turn to the Mairev wall to say Maiden Derabanan. So that became the custom in this shul. On hand, no feet, as we say. No hands or feet to it. No logic whatsoever. Logic, yes, but no... no Halachic ramifications. So therefore, they turn to the Mayor of Wall and they say, Maiden Derabanan. We don't do it in any other shul. And this is an example of customs that we are sometimes taught by our parents, by our birthplace, that we do not keep. Your father's house. Chinuch. Chinuch provided by the parents that raised you. Every parent aspires for their child to become the ultimate, the best and the most amazing. You want nachas. Some think Nachas is a doctor. Some think Nachas is a neurosurgeon. Some think Nachas is a banker. Yiddish Chsidish Nachas is a Torah observant child. And parents, many parents, put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into the education of their children. And they hope and pray that they are a living example for their children and that their children will follow in their footsteps. Some parents know when they err when they make mistakes in the education. And in today's day and age, they profess and they talk to their children, they talk it through, and they say, the father that goes to shul three times a day, that makes sure Davens with a minion. Make sure that he learns every day something. Make sure that he's honest in his business dealings. That he's been adam l'chaveri and been adam l'makim as much as he can do. 
not everybody is a child psychologist. Not everybody is a top line, top notch educator. And many, many parents tend to give off a vibe to children that children don't necessarily take well to, with. Or don't get what they should be getting from it. And therefore, every action has a reaction. Tells us the Tera, we base Avicha. HaKadosh Baruch says, get out of that. Stop it. Stop it. Don't complain that your mother didn't speak nicely to you, your father didn't, didn't talk too loud to you, that this one was too gruff with you, and this one wasn't pleasant enough, and this one didn't kiss your feet, and this one didn't jump in the hoops that you put up for them. Leave that alone. Get out of that. Do better by your children. Yes. But don't improvise, Chas Shalom. Don't turn around and say, I think it was too much that we were subjected to. I think it was an overload. And therefore, my children I'll do in a light fashion. I'll give them a lesser dosage so that not to scare them off, God forbid. Tells us the Teda, you need to step up whatever you saw in your parents' house. You need to improve it in godliness. Not look to improve it the money situation or the uh, peace and tranquility the flower child attitude the free thinkers no no you need to see to it that your child follows in the ways of our fathers the ways of our forefathers like Avram Avinu was commanded to take Chinuch and to up it a level and constantly bump it up a level and every generation needs to do so instead of Yeridus Hadedus because the people are saying very simply say Yeridus Hadedus the generations are getting worse they're getting weaker and the Nisianus are so much greater in today's generation because of the ultimate, the outside influences the terrible things that the, the other things that this one, the, all the exposure the children are exposed to and everything. No. No. One needs to stand up for their chinuch. One needs to stand up for the teda chinuch. And not tell your child it's okay to play with the non-Jewish children, but be very careful not to eat their food, and be very careful to keep your kippah on your head, and be very careful to beat Senua, and don't listen to their non-Jewish music. What are you, crazy? It's totally, totally off the charts. The base of Icha, says the Tera. Ultimately, to the land I will show you. A person who devotes himself unconditionally to God and he surrenders any personal preferences, any personal calculations or biases. It's irrelevant what the specific destination is. He needs to be prepared to fulfill God's will, regardless of what the particulars are, of what the situation, what stipulation, there's nothing. One needs to be ready to do what God commands us to do. Following Teda and Mitzvahs. The Teda, this Pasha is very, very full Pasha. Avram's journey. 
finishing with Avram's bris. The war of the four and the five kings. Capture of late. An interesting vart that we've said many times. When Avram and late part ways. They had to part ways. Avram was a tzaddik and late wasn't. That's part ways. Avram Avinu says, If you go right, I go left. If you go left, I go right. We are parting ways. We're going in the opposite directions, my child. And we've said this before, but it's a beautiful medrash, and I want to repeat it again. In case for those people that don't spend the whole week listening to the archives of the Shirim of the week. So I will repeat this word. The Medish Plia says, from here we learn how to give Maiser. <laughs> what a Medish Plia. What is Maiser? Tithing, ten percent of our money, of our earnings. What does it have to do with Avram saying, "If you go right, I go left. If you go left, I go right." The pasuk tells us when it comes to Maiser, "Aser to Aser." She give a tithe. Says the Medrash. Imayamina, the shin and the sin are differentiated by the dot on the top. The shin has the dot on the right side, and the sin has it on the left side. If you're going to put the dot on the right side and say, Asher, I want to become wealthy. And I don't want to give tzedakah. I want to keep it for myself. Says the Tere Ta'asir. I will make you only have 10% of it. If, however, you go to the left side and you say, Asir, I'll give myself from everything I take, then the Pasuk will go to the right side and say, Ta'asir, you will become wealthy. So that's how the Medish Plia learns Maiser from this Pasuk Imayimina Asmila Imasmila Yimina. It's a beautiful, beautiful word. If you try to give Maiser, if you give Maiser, you will become wealthy. If you try to keep back your Maiser, you will remain with only ten percent. The battle goes on. As we mentioned, Avram comes out to the battlefield to intervene the battle between the kings due to the capture of his nephew Lloyd. How did he know? He didn't get it on a fax, he didn't get a text, he didn't get WhatsApp from late. Pasuk tells us in chapter 14, verse 13, Hapolit, the fugitive, showed up and he told Avram, the Hebrew, that light was captured. The Medish gives a little bit of an insight on this encounter. Who was Hapolit? The Polit says was Oig Melech Haboshon. Oig. Where did he get the name Oig from? He got the name Oig because when he came, he found Avram Avinu very, very busy making matzis. And the Pasuk says, he found him making ugois. 
So from the word Ugois, we take the word Ugois and we have the word Oig. Pasuk tells us Ugois Matzis. And the Maddish continues. What was Oig so concerned about saving light? He was such a God-fearing person. He was worried about this one light, who, as we said before, was not exactly a tzaddik. Ha! Far from it. I thought, Avram, this Avram is a zealot. He's a chavraman. If I tell him his nephew was taken captive, He's going to go out to war. He goes out to war. He's not a bat. He's not a bat combatant. He's not a soldier. He get killed. If he gets killed, leaves his wife Sarai a widow, and I will marry her. I wanted to marry Sarai. Master plan. Send Avram to war. Get Avram Avinu killed. And he marries her. <laughs> Why do we have to know what Egg's name was? Why does the Mandish first tell us that Egg received his name because of the Matzis and then continues with this part of the story? When he saw Avram Avinu preoccupied in the matzahs, he knew the matzah is michlud meminusa, is a food of faith, going to Isaiah. And the way he was in so intensely preoccupied with these matzahs, which is a faith-building activity, It obviously reflected his super rational commitment to God. The relationship between Avram and God was pure faith built. There was no reason to rhyme, it was all faith. Such a person, is a fanatic. And fanatics sometimes are prone to act irrationally. So he was certain that in spite of all the risks that were involved here, Avram would drop everything unreasonably and he'd go jeopardize his own life to save his nephew. And if he does, he probably won't come back. Therefore, it's relevant for us to understand that I got his name because he saw the matzah first. This brought him to the conclusion what a type of person Avram Avinu was, how strong Avram Avinu's faith was in God, and therefore he was sure that he would go out there and try to save him, and thereby get killed and leave late. And leave him, leave late, his, leave Oig, his wife. We need to, often time, keep in check our own faith. How does our faith actually fall into place? Having faith in God. Complete and total faith. Or having faith in a person. Complete and total faith that they can overcome anything. There's a story with a simple Jew. He was a wagon driver. He had his two horses. And he would go out on nice days 
He'd pick up passengers and take them. They'd go for rides. They go to the next town. They go shopping. Whatever it is. Wagon wasn't anything beautiful. The horses were nice and strong. Effort. One day, a little overcast. He decided to go to the next town. Some the next town might be nicer. The weather. And they pick up clientele there for wherever they have to go. Much to his dismay, halfway between the two city towns, the weather started to get really nasty. The winds were howling, the rain was pouring. It was a bad situation. He was freezing to death. His clothes were soaked, drenched through and through. He didn't know if he would ever make it home alive. Suddenly he sees, standing on the side of the road in the blot of Zayid. He calls out to the Yid, trying to call to him, and he says, Nurab Yid, come here, come here. And he pulls the Yid up onto the wagon and says, Vugetir, he says, wherever you're going, I'm going, he says, I can't walk. And they turned around the wagon, they made a U-turn, and he made a U-turn, and he went back to town. And he came home, and he brought his guest, his passenger, into his home, and they sat down, they dried their clothes off by the fire, and they were sitting and drinking hot soup. And the Yid tells him, I'm from Sosov. He's a holy Jew, Meshaleib in Sosov. He says to him, I want to bless you. You saved my life now. I want to bless you with something. What do you have in the house of value that I can bless? Simple Jew. The house was worthless. The wagon was worthless. All I have is the horses. Oh! How many horses? Two horses. Beautiful, he says. One horse for Purim. One, her- one horse for Pesach. That's the Daniel Achayim. That was his blessing. And he left. Our poor push, the Yid, was shocked. Well, what was that all about? The winter went on. And lo and behold, a week before Purim, his wife started to Make noise. How are we going to make hamantash? And how are we going to have krepla? How are we going to have food? How are we going to have a suda? And he goes out and he sees one of his horses has died. What do I do? He takes the carcass, he goes to the Goyesha butcher, and he sells him the meat. And he takes the skin off himself and he brings the skin to the tanner. And he sells him the, the skins. And he amasses a nice amount of money. Mm-hmm. And he comes home and tells his wife, Mamala, we're machen Purim. We're going to make a Purim like never before. And they made a beautiful festive Suda. They invited guests. It was amazing. No. The money was used up, the leftovers were finished, and now two weeks had gone by. One more week has gone by. There's not much to eat in the house, there's only one horse left. But worse than that, Pesach. Pesach is coming. Vinet Mimatzis. Vinet Mimorer. they have enough. Where do you get matzahs from? Fish, chicken, something. Doesn't know what to answer. He goes outside and sees in his stable second horse has died. Once again, he sells the meat to the Goyesha butcher and the skin to the tanner. And Pesach was beautiful.
Pesach is beautiful. Yom Tov is over. The leftovers are finished. Me'ayin Yovei Ezri. Now what? Now what? There's no way to make any panasa. There's no horses. What are we going to do? And there were no jobs. He went to look in the, uh, the Jewish press for jobs, and there were no jobs. So he and his wife agreed that he should go wander, should go travel. So he took whatever piece of bread, loaf of bread, on a gate, and he's going. And he's getting from one town to another town, looking for work, looking for something. Finally, a little frustrated and tired, he comes to an inn. And he arrives in the inn, and he hears in the corner there's two people. What are we going to do? He fired the other guy now also. He's going to kill us if we don't find somebody normal for him. And the other guy just shrugging his shoulders. He doesn't know what to answer. It's not a joke anymore. It's dangerous. He has nothing to say. Nu Awachasid walks over to these people and says, Shuldiks, I hear you have issues here. There's a problem. If she can help, maybe I can help. So he turned to him, they don't know who this guy is or anything. Looks like a bit of a bit of schmazel. And they tell him, we are farmers. We have land. And our farms are on the land of the Parrots. And the Parrots is looking for a manager to land all the lands around here. For some reason, the Tzatsuga Shepherd tells us that we should find him managers. We every manager we sent him got kicked in the pants. He didn't like them, he fired them. And we're in trouble now because if he doesn't get a manager quick, he's gonna kill us. So the youth says, you know, you got nothing to lose. I'll do it. So they looked at him, they said, You'll do what? You know how to manage lands? So I can figure it out. You know how to... And besides which, the part is terrible on to submit. He hates Eden. He wouldn't even talk to you. He says, you got any better ideas, he tells them. They say, no, okay. Payakali. Let's go. No. They come to the parrots. V'neach matzachim be'enav. He looked at this Yidl, parrots. And he says, hey, you think you can do it? He says, why not? Says, okay, let's do this. And he did not make one wrong turn. Not one mistake, one decision that he ever make that was wrong. And the Puritz was ecstatic with his work. The Puritz was so happy to have him on board. And the Puritz praised these people for bringing him. And the Yid changed the entire attitude of the Puritz towards Eden. And he himself, the Puritz kept giving him bonuses and raises. He himself started to become a wealthy person. And he helped, and the parrots asked him, hire Jews, hire more Jews to work for us. And he got Parnassa from many Yidin, and he saw how the true bracha, the Meshalei Sassif came about, where the horses died, he was no longer able to support himself from that, so he finally walked away from that Parnassah Kavayachal. 
and he found a new parnasa that not only was able to help himself, was able to help others. We need to know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does everything for the best. We need to understand that not always do we merit to see that end result. But B'Shaitai, whatever it is that happens, we have to have complete faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you did it for us, to us, it's for the best. Not B'Shaitai, that you punished me, you hurt me, and it's a good thing. That's never good. That's never good. <clears throat> Not good that we should accept it and say that I deserve it. It's good in that the fact that HaKadosh Baruch did it, it's good. Gamzu the Teva called the Ovid Rachman the Tav Ovid whatever God does is only good. We don't always see the direct result of that. But we need to know and to accept that Hashem loves us and we deserve only the best. What we got was the best. We may not feel it that way. We may not taste it that way. We may not see it that way. But we should know it came from Hashem and therefore it's the best. Not shot that we deserved less than good. It was good. And it will be better. Yesterday was Zayin Marcheshvan. We speak about it every year. The terrible, terrible difference that becomes again in Kala Yisrael. Achena B'nei Yisrael, that the soul start to say in Shemaneseh, B'rachaleinu, the same Talamot, L'Vracha. And in Chutzlaras, we'll only say it on December 5th. But the same Talmud the Brach is now said in that's so because on Zayim Marcheshvan the Yidden started to pray for rain. Question comes up. Mara says different days Gimel, Zayim, Chav, Tezvav. Why? Why Zayim Marcheshvan? Why so late? I mean, people need rain. We said, already. How are we going to survive without rain? How are the farmers not going to grow their fields without rain? Why are we holding back until Zion Cheshvan? And the answer the Gemara tells us, so the Yidin used to be Eilid Egel, used to come up to Yerushalayim, and they used to come to Yerushalayim for Sukkot, and they left after Shemini Atzeres. The Yid that lives the furthest point from Yerushalayim, walking distance, arrived home Zayin Marcheshvan. Since we did not want him to get caught in the rain, we refrain from davening for rain. Although it is something that we all benefit from, although the Kali Yisrael needed it, we refrain from it, we deprive ourselves, so that not to hurt another Jew. And this is a life lesson for all of us. Never, chas v'shalom, to hurt or to speak bad or to blaspheme or to put down a fellow Jew, even at our own expense, even at cost of something that it cost us ourselves, as they even did when they lacked in the rain. And therefore, with this Havas Yisrael, we will go to Eretz Yisrael, Atzeinu Akdesha, El Arez Asher Shabbat Shalom to all.